Holy Spirit, we just make room for you to speak to us tonight. We just thank you for your presence. We thank you for your son, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your word. And we open our hearts to you and we ask you to speak to us, convict us, challenge us, minister to us as you will. And we know you love us, Father, so we trust you. And we thank you for your goodness. Jesus' name, amen. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verse, starting with verse 14, it says, You are the light of the world. How many of you are born again in this place? So how many of you realize that Jesus is talking to you right now through these words? He says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. So in other words, it's ridiculous to light a lamp and put it under a basket. It's ridiculous to have such a wonderful light source and not be able to utilize it. If the passion that we have for Jesus just stays in this sanctuary, then we are putting a light under a bushel. The love that we have for him, the, what we get to experience with him, he wants us to let it shine, right? You are the light of the world, he says. Then he goes on to say in verse 16, Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works. Everyone say, my good works. Because who is he talking to? Who's he talking to when he says that let them see your good works? Who's he talking to? Everybody say me. Me. He's talking to him. Talking to Conrad. He's talking to you, Conrad. (laughs) He says to let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works. Say my good works. I want you to take this message personally and individually, not corporately. Okay? Take this message that the Lord is speaking this to you. He says to let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify you. I was hoping you were paying attention. I was hoping you were paying attention. He says, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. My favorite phrase right here, or the phrase that gets my attention, is where it says, in such a way. Let your light shine before men in such a way. In some translations, it just says, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good works. But I love the New American Standard. It says, in such a way. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they see your good works and they glorify God. They see what you're doing and they realize that God's a reality. What kind of works is he talking about? What kind of works is he talking about where people are going to see our good works and glorify the Father? Who would be a good example of the works that Jesus is talking about? 
Who would be a good example? Who's the best example, excuse me, of the works that Jesus is talking about? Come on, somebody. The best example, Jesus. Exactly. Jesus. And you know, later on in John 14, 12, he says those, now, in John chapter 14, verse 12, we know by that time, Jesus has done many things, right? He's done many miracles, amazing things, amazing miracles, healed the leper, raised people from the dead, cast out devils. I mean, totally revolutionized people's lives. Would you agree with me on that? And so then he has the audacity to turn to his disciples, and he didn't just say, if you guys, he wasn't just talking to his disciples. He said, if anyone, if anyone believes in me, continues to believe in me, the works that I do or did, the works that I do, shall they do also. Now, what works is he talking about? The stuff that he just did, right? The things he did, miracles, signs and wonders, healings, raising people from the dead. He's saying, these works, if you believe in me, these works shall you do also. And the same word for works right there is the same word for works in in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works. That word works is the same exact word that Jesus used in John chapter 14, verse 12. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Do you realize, I don't know if anybody's ever told you this, but do you realize that you have the same exact Holy Spirit that Jesus had in him? I mean, not a lesser model. And you know, even our children, sometimes we act like our children get a junior model of the Holy Spirit. I mean, you know what I mean? I mean, we think that all our children can do is is color and and do nice little kid things. But Jesus gave them the same Holy Spirit that he had when he did all those miracles and things. So you have the exact same Holy Spirit. So let me ask you, with him in you, and one thing I, I love a friend of mine told me, he told me this and almost fell out. We were sitting in a restaurant having a good time fellowship. And when he said this, it almost fell out of my chair because I never heard it like this before. Because we sometimes see Holy Spirit. Of course, all of us love Jesus and Jesus is the man. He's the rock. He's awesome and he's everything, right? And then, of course, the father, I mean, he's amazing. He's big daddy. He's all that. And then it comes the Holy Spirit and we just don't know how to take him. And we kind of think he's inferior because we don't understand him. Am I Am I right? And so we think, Jesus, yeah, Holy Spirit, I don't know about that. But this brother of mine said, here's what he said, Holy Spirit is Jesus unlimited. Let me let that hit you. Holy Spirit is Jesus unlimited. Jesus told his disciples, it is to your advantage that I go away. Now, if Jesus would have been telling me that, I would have said, no, Jesus. All the time you've been telling the truth up until now. Because I want you here. It is not to my advantage that you go away. But that's what he told his disciples. He said, it is to your advantage that I go away. And guess what? I'm coming back again, but in a different form. But he said, this time I'm not going to be limited to one body. 
I'm going to be limited to all these bodies. I'm going to be free to do the things that I did as I walked the earth. I'm going to be free to do them through my people again. Jesus' desire and the reason why he went to the cross was to bring salvation to mankind. And see, his plan, as crazy, amazing, and powerful as God is, because he loves everybody, he could have said, okay, boom, everybody's saved, boom, it's good, now let's go to heaven, good, we're all together, and we party. He could have done it that way, right? He ordained and chose to limit himself through you and me. His massive, amazing plan that will succeed, by the way. I mean, how crazy is that to think that God is so cool and so amazing that he has this amazing, perfect plan and he's going to put it through us and it's still going to be successful. I mean, he's all, he's all that, right? I mean, that is amazing. So his desire is for his light not to stay inside of you. But that's how most Christians live their lives. They have this beautiful, powerful, amazing light, the power of the Holy Spirit, and they keep it under a bushel. And Jesus said, why? Why would you do that? He says, let your light shine before men in such a way that they see your good works and glorify my Father in heaven. Jesus was amazing. People's lives were changed. Even people that don't believe in him still think he was amazing. And that same amazing one wants to live his life and express his love and power through you and me on a daily basis. On a daily basis. Now, of course, the amazing thing is, is he'll do it through our personality and our bent and our giftings. And so it's going to be crazy awesome. But you have to cooperate. You know, when you look at the troubles in the world today, the laws that the government passed that we don't necessarily agree with, all the, just the crazy stuff that's going on. What is the answer? I think it's better legislation myself. I think it's better crafted laws and, and more articulate politicians. If they could just speak more clearly, everybody would just be in peace and it'd, it'd be all good, right? Jesus' answer, God's answer, his plan is you. But I don't think we really believe that. I believe, now if I were to say, you know, to the missionaries who are called to go to the ends of the earth, God's plan is for you to do that. And we'd all say, amen, preach it, brother. And so I can give my little money to support the missionaries so they can go out and shine their light and do all that good stuff. And those who are called overseas into the outreaches or the, the faraway places, they have the same Holy Spirit as those of us who are called to Stillwater. Amen. They have the same calling as those who are called to Stillwater. Amen. Just a different location, same plan. Different people group, different language. But you are God's answer. Now, that sounds crazy, because all of us can say, if you really knew me, then you wouldn't say that. But see, I wasn't the one that came up with this plan. And the more I think of God's plan, the more it makes me realize how crazy awesome he is. 
I mean, I wouldn't come up with this amazing plan and put it through you guys. I don't have that much faith. Sorry. Aren't you glad I'm not God? Everybody said, Amen. If we can just get a hold of the fact that he wants to live his life through you and me. He wants to show off through you. Because right there, that's my favorite verse of showing off. God wants to show off. Where he says, he wants people to see your good works and he gets the glory for it. Because people look at you and say, oh my goodness, how in the world? I know how you used to be. I know the struggles. I know the, the, the stuff you went through and you're doing this. There's got to be a God. And I'm an atheist. God wants to show off through his kids. He wants to do amazing things through you. Amen. Thank you, PK. <laughs> Pastor Kevin. <laughs> in such a way. Let your light shine before men in such a way. That doesn't mean just nice persuasive words. We in America are really good at nice persuasive words because we're very used to, you know, the intellect, you know, good articulation and that kind of thing. But remember Paul said, he said, it's not just about nice persuasive words, but demonstration of the power of the Spirit. Now, we need words. It, that doesn't mean, some people say, well, I just let my light shine before me. I don't say a word. I don't preach the gospel. I don't say anything about Jesus. That's not that either. We need both. Some of you are very articulate, extremely articulate. I believe Paul was, the apostle Paul was probably very articulate. And look how powerfully he used Paul. And he wants to use you just as powerfully. But it can't end with persuasive words. If you can talk someone into salvation with wonderful words, then someone who has more wonderful words can come and talk them out of it. But if you come and say, let me show you Jesus, and they have an encounter with God through you, and their life is totally ruined for the way it used to be, someone can't come and talk them out of that. God wants people to experience him through you. I think that's crazy, but I believe it's true. Now, what is the motivation? So I'm talking about is, is God wants to do amazing things through us. Signs, wonders, miracles. Gifts of the Spirit flowing through us, words of knowledge, prophetic words, all that stuff He wants to do through us. And I believe He wants it to be a regular part of our daily lives. I believe that. I'm not walking in it yet, yet, but I really believe that. But what needs to be the motivation behind any of that, all of that? Can someone tell me one word? Thank you. Love. Love has to be the motivation. You know, if faith is a flashlight, then love are the batteries that power the flashlight. You can have an amazing shining flashlight that's shining out, but if there's no batteries in that flashlight, guess what? 
In the Bible, in 1 Corinthians 13, it says, If I, I can speak with the tongues of angels or men, but if I do not have love, then I'm just making a bunch of noise. Just like fingernails down a chalkboard. I know one sound that irritates one of my sons is when, when the kids are scraping their plates in the trash and that metal fork going against that porcelain plate, you know, that plate, that noise, drives one of my sons crazy. 1 Corinthians 13.1, right there. Just a bad noise. You can speak, we can speak in tongues. We can say wonderful things. We can say the Romans road. We can say all these wonderful, articulate things of the gospel. But if there's no love behind it, if our motivation is not love, then we're just making a bunch of noise. I can even have faith to raise the dead, heal the sick, do all these amazing things. The Bible says if I don't have love, then I'm nothing. So our motivation has to be love. Would you agree? But we have a problem. Matthew chapter 24, verse 9 through 12. I'm going to read there real quickly. You don't have to turn, but uh, New King James Version, Matthew 24, 9 through 12. Jesus said, Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended. Everyone say offended. Now Jesus has given some characteristics of the last days. And one of these words that sticks out, he says, Many will be offended. Offended. Now, I know none of you have ever been offended, but I know you know somebody who's been offended, right? And many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many, and check this out, and because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Because lawlessness abounds, the betrayals, all the kind of stuff, the love of many will grow cold. Now, that word love in there is agape, which is God's kind of love. So I heard a minister say that he has to be referring to Christians. So if he's correct, then the love of many Christians will grow cold. So if love has to be our motivation behind what God's wanting to do through us to empower people and set people free and do amazing things, but our love is growing cold, then guess what? Our light's becoming dim. The batteries are getting, getting dark. You know, in Luke 18, verse 1, I believe it's, yeah, Luke 18, 1, it says, when he spoke, then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. Remember that parable? He said men, he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. And then skipping down at the end, it says, when the Son of Man returns, will he really find faith on the earth? And he's sharing the story of the, the, the widow who's trying to go to the judge and get help and get justice, but he's ignoring her. But then he's like, okay, this woman's about to wear me out. So just because I don't care about her, but because she's about to wear me out, I'm going to give her what she's asking for. Remember that story? And Jesus uses that story as an example to teach the parable, to teach that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. Not lose heart. Not lose heart. How many Christians do you know that have lost heart? How many Christians do you know that their love has grown cold because of lawlessness has increased in the earth? How many of us have become offended with God 
and cooled off in our affection towards Him because prayers have gone unanswered. Healings haven't happened. Healings that you've been believing for, people that you've been praying for, and all they're doing is dying. Circumstances are happening in your life that are crazy, horrendous, bad. You wouldn't wish them on your worst enemy. And you find yourself right in the middle of them. And your life is just being berated, just hit. Boom, 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 boom. You've been praying, you're believing God for miracles, you're believing God for healing, and you keep praying and keep praying and keep praying, and you're not seeing hardly anything happen except people going on to heaven. And if that continues to happen, then if you're like me, you're probably going to find yourself in a place where you become offended with God. But nobody knows that because you're able to go through the emotions and still keep the appearance on the outside. You're able to go through the emotions and look good and raise your hands during worship. But inside, you're like, God, I don't know about you. I'm pretty frustrated, God. Or you don't even voice anything. You just keep it inside and you just, your affections are just cooling off, cooling off cooling off. So someone says, hey, can you pray for me? I'm sick. Oh, that sister over there will pray for you. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You know, like, I don't know about all that anymore. I mean, how many believers do you know that have been offended, have been betrayed, have been hurt? They don't even fellowship with believers anymore. They say, I don't trust those. I'm cool with God, and they're really not if they're going to be honest. But they separate themselves from believers because they've been hurt. Now, not to belittle the pain. I mean, the pain is bad. The betrayal is horrendous. The grief can be unbearable. But I want to tell you something. That cross wasn't just a couple of toothpicks. When Jesus bled on that cross... All that blood was sufficient for every bit of your grief. Sufficient for every single betrayal, every heartache, everything you're going through or have gone through, his blood is sufficient. Now I can say it right now and it can be hollow words, but he wants you to get close enough to him so you can experience that. Either that's real or it's not. If it's not, let's quit wasting our time. Let's quit being in the middle. Either he's real and everything he says is true, or it's not. And it's a bunch of fairy tales. If it is a bunch of fairy tales, then let's quit wasting our time and go home and watch TV. That happened to me for a number of years. I got offended at God. I didn't realize I was offended at God. But when it came, I used to be very aggressive and praying for people. I'd look for opportunities. I'd beg for people to get sick so I can pray for them so they get healed. Okay, maybe not quite that radical. But then when I wasn't seeing stuff happen like I thought it should happen, it started messing with me. Instead of just really pressing in and saying, God, I don't understand. But you know what? I don't have to understand. I'm just going to continue to love you. And see, that's the conclusion that I've come to now. 
I don't have the answers yet. I can't tell you why brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so died after we prayed and, and fasted and all that kind of stuff. I can't give you the answers. He hasn't given them to me yet. But I've made my mind up that, you know what, no longer am I going to let my lack of understanding determine my course in action. Because I realized the Lord was talking to me one time and he said, do you realize that you're stuck? Do you realize that you're offended? I'm like, who are you talking to me? Who are you talking to me? You're offended at me. And it broke, I mean, he, God has a way of penetrating your heart. You know what I'm saying? And it just broke my heart. And I came to the place of saying, God, I don't understand. And I'm angry and I'm hurt. I shed a few tears. Okay, maybe I shed one. Okay, so I'm a man. We don't do that. <laughs> and I was able to get to the point because he was asking me, even though you don't understand, will you still give it to me? Will you give up your right to understand? Because what I had done is I'd, made, I'd put myself in a posture that, God, I'm not moving forward until you help me understand what's going on. So who's calling the shots in that posture? Say, so God, you've got to work on my understanding. He reminded me of something that I prayed a long time ago, that I prayed that Jesus was my Lord and Savior, not CJ. Too many of us have cooled off because we're offended, we're hurt. And what has happened is mentally we believe in healing, we believe in miracles, we believe in all that, we believe in the book. But naturally, or in the physical realm, we totally pushed away. And then we begin to adopt theologies that help us to agree with my lack of understanding and make it okay for me to agree and have doubt and unbelief so I can be okay. And then what happens is many Christians end up with a powerless gospel. And so the only way to be effective is to be the most articulate. And Jesus said, let your light shine before men in such a way that they see your good works and glorify him. You know, we've been, some of you have heard me talking about, well, those of you who go to church here heard me talk about this many times, but we do a thing called treasure hunting. And it's a situation, what we do is we get together and we pray, ask Holy Spirit to give us clues to lead us to the people that he wants to encounter, that he wants to love on, that he wants to bless and heal and all that kind of thing. So we get this piece of paper called our treasure map, and it has five different categories, location, a person's name, a person's appearance, what they might need prayer for, and the unusual. We write down the clues as, as we believe the Holy Spirit is leading us. Then we go out in public looking for the people that the Holy Spirit is leading us to. And the results are crazy. They're awesome. This last few days, a group of us went out, and we met this couple. We had a number of people we encountered, but this one encounter was, boom, was the treasure. You know, one of us had unusual hair. No, interesting hair as our clue. One of us had earring holes. You know what they call, you know those earrings that are really big, you know, make those big holes? Well, he called them earring holes because he didn't know what they were. And we had all these clues, and we encountered this couple, and we began to talk to them. 
And then we showed them. We said, you know, we believe you. We're out treasure hunting. We believe you might be our treasure. I'm kind of giving you the short version. And we showed these people the clues that we had that matched them. This lady had very interesting hair, to say the least. Multiple colors, multiple styles on one head. And she had those earring holes. And then someone had donuts. And we happened to be talking to them right across the street from Daylight Donuts. Someone had barn. We saw them as we pulled up to the barn. And they were walking, walking across the street. And as they were talking, one of the, the young mans talked, mentioned something about hurting his ankle or had surgery in his ankle, his left ankle. One of our people had left ankle. And someone had arthritis. Well, arthritis had developed in his left ankle. I mean, the clues just kept going on and on and on and on. And it was obvious that God was highlighting this couple because he wanted to love on them. He wanted to smack them down with his love. Now, she wasn't very responsive. He let us pray for him. I thought it was amazing because it was just reminding me of how God desires. He longs to reveal himself through his people. We've seen people get healed. We've seen people get saved through these crazy things called treasure hunting. But you know what? If we do treasure hunting and love is not our number one motivation, then guess what? Making a bunch of noise. Making a bunch of noise. You can share the Romans road, and if it's motivated by love, guess what? God gives you the thumbs up. You can pass out tracks. I used to do that. Pass out tracks. I think my motivation was love. I, mean, I love the people until I turned around and saw that my tracks were all over the ground. But God wants us to love people. I'm going to end with this verse. It's in Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. It says, The angel of the church of Ephesus writes, These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars, and you have persevered and have patience, and have labored for my name's sake, and have not become weary. He's saying a lot of powerful, positive things to this church right here. You have labored for my name's sake, and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. You have left your first love. And maybe you don't even realize it. It's not that you don't love God anymore, but it's that you've, your affection has cooled off towards him. You're still able to go through the motions. You're still able to reach out to people and, and do your ministry that God has called you to. But you've gotten yourself in just kind of a posture where you're just kind of going through the motions. And your light has become dim because your batteries are starting to go dead. Because you've lost your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. 1 Corinthians 1, 9, it says, God is faithful through whom you were called into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Do you realize that our calling is to have fellowship with Jesus? We're called into partnership with him, with fellowship with him. And the Lord is telling us to repent, return to our first love. How do we do that? Fall back in love with Jesus. 
Do you remember when you first became a Christian, how zealous you were? How you couldn't wait to spend time with him? How you couldn't get enough of his word and enough of his presence? And then you became mature? I mean, haven't you ever heard, oh, don't worry about her. She'll grow up. She'll be wise someday. You know, that youthful zeal, and they're just passionate for Jesus. And we say, oh, they'll, they'll grow up and be cold and stale like us. Just give them time. Man, I don't want that. I want them to burn for Jesus. I want to say, hey, young person, come lay hands on me. Come cast whatever needs to come out of me. Let's stand together. Every single one of us in here are called to greatness, are called to be a person, a vessel. It's like our brother mentioned earlier that God is forming us into vessels of honor for his glory. But he's called you to that. And the awesome thing is, is regardless of age, God can still get all kinds of glory through us, whether we're young and don't know much, or whether we're older, have all kinds of experience and, and wisdom and everything, God still wants to use us from this point forward. He wants to say, you've done wonderful things. You've labored for me. You didn't tolerate evil and all these wonderful things. But from this point forward, are you willing to let go of the offenses? Are you willing to allow the things that have held you back, the, the, the bitterness and, and stuff of, towards God and people, are you ready to allow that to stop poisoning your life from this day forward? Are you ready to allow his invitation? See, I see this, this verse in Revelations more as an invitation for God to invite us to him so that he can heal our, our wounded and broken hearts. Versus a judgment, him pointing his fingers at us. Remember, he's a good, good father. He wants to do amazing things through you. Are you willing to let him? And I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. And if Holy Spirit is, is talking to you about anything, particularly where you recognize that you've, cooled your, that you've cooled off, that you haven't been as aggressive in pursuing him. I'm not talking about right now pursuing miracles. I'm talking about pursuing him, pursuing his heart. But you, found, you find yourself cooled off. And as Holy Spirit pinpoint, pinpoints what it is that caused you to begin to cool off, what offense it is. And if you'll just do business with him and talk to him and repent and say, Father, I, I, I repent from, from idolatry, worshiping this thing, worshiping this offense, worshiping this grief, because I've surrendered all my emotions, I've surrendered all my energy to this thing right here. We're to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. But we can't do that if we're giving all of our strength and all of our soul to bitterness and resentment. So if you'll just talk to him right now and surrender whatever it is.